Hello and welcome to another episode of Growing Your Successful Business. I'm Brian Harding. Uh, this is the business about all things, or the podcast about all things small business. Uh, remind you, um, we had some really good numbers last week. We're starting to get some real traction as far as listeners. So don't be afraid to tell a friend or a coworker or a family member about our podcast if they have a small business and they have uh, a need for some free information. This is a great place to get it. Uh, you can check me out at growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com. There you can find all the links to our Facebook and YouTube channel. And uh, you can also email me at brian at brianlharding.com if you have any questions, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to be a sponsor on the show. Uh, that's how you get a hold of me. Today we're super fortunate to have Michelle Graham with us. Uh, and I'll go over Michelle's bio here a little bit and then we'll get to talking to her. Uh, Michelle is the CEO and co-founder of Graham and Graham Elder Carol. Elder Care Consultants, a Washington-based care transitions and referral agency. She's a certified senior advisor, a certified information referral specialist in aging and disability. That's quite a moniker there. Uh, she's also a paralegal and a collaborative law, um, a law elder care specialist. She was awarded the Heart of a Social Worker by Puget Sound VA Social Workers, Woman of the Year 2013 by the Puget Sound um, Business and Professional Women, and her company, Graham and Graham Elder Care Consultants, received the Torch Award in 2015 from the Better Business Bureau. Michelle has worked in the long care industry for more than 29 years. Prior to founding Graham and Graham over nine years ago, she had been an assistant living uh, administrator in a skilled nursing facility, admissions and marketing director, AL regional sales manager. What's AL mean? Assisted living. Assisted living regional sales manager, a staff recruiter and retention consultant for 17 SNFs in Washington. What's an SNF? Skilled nursing facility. Skilled nursing facility in Washington, Oregon, managing uh, managed operations of nine certified nursing assistant training schools and an in-house nursing registry with over 70 RNs and LPNs. Uh, Michelle is sought out as an educational speaker on topics related, related to long-term care, cost types of options, mediation and long-term care, employee satisfaction and retention. She has spoken at annual state conferences for associations, including the Washington Healthcare Association and the Association for Legal Professionals and the Adult Family Home Council. And she's been an active legislative advocate for elder consumer rights, meeting with members of Congress in Washington, D.C., as well as promoting increasing re regulatory standards in the elder referral industry, writing amendments, and providing insights to other states seeking regulation. Holy smoke, that's a lot. You are busy. Um, so in short, though, uh, for our listeners, what you do is you help people find uh, long-term care for their loved ones when it's time to find a place for them to be, whether it be uh, memory care or uh, just day-to-day -day living. Uh, you're the person they come see to help find a place for mom when it's time to find a place for mom. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. And one of the things that people should know is it doesn't cost anything to come see you, right? Um, all your fees are paid for by the folks who you refer to, correct? Correct. So if you know somebody or you are somebody who has uh, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa who has kind of reached that phase in life where it's time to uh, let somebody else help with taking care of them, you can reach Michelle at uh, Graham and Graham Elder Care Consultants at 888-217-1655 or grahamandgrahamec.com. So uh, you've been in business for nine years now. Yes. Congratulations on that. Thank what, you. What's, and so you've gone through nine years of all this strife and struggle. What's it like for you now? <laughs> it's good now. It's good. But yes, there is strife and struggle definitely when you start a new business. Right. So um, you've got a whole lot of stuff here that we can talk about. Um, and we'll get to like what you actually do for folks. We can kind of talk about that a little later. Um, 
looking back on on your nine years, so one of th one of the things that you've been uh, um, lucky with is you've been profitable every single month, which is which is fantastic. Yes. That's that's not always the case for folks. Um, and you work with your husband every day. Uh, <laughs> I do. Second week in a row, we've had somebody who works with their spouse every day. Um, uh, that I'm sure that brings its own set of challenges. We'll talk about that as well. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about first, though, I would imagine in your line of work, you're dealing with folks in very stressful, sensitive situations. They come to you probably when mom and dad aren't doing really well, um, and there's a lot of just stress and grief around that. How do you deal with just the stress of that? Yeah, it was a learning experience for us. I've been in long-term care 29 years, but for some of my team members, learning how to manage that was a difficult thing. Uh, you know, we're dealing with a lot of pain and sorrow, grief and loss. Our typical client is in the middle of a crisis. They've, you know, mom's had a stroke, she's in the hospital, and they realize she can't go back home. Those kind of things, broken a hip, had a fall, has right. memory issues. And um, so there is a lot of grief and loss surrounding that. And because we all have big hearts and we care, you can take that on. Sure. You know? And uh, we've had to learn how to do self-care and do a good job of it and, and recognize in each other. Um, we were about two years into our business, and I saw the signs of, we call it compassion fatigue in our right. industry. And I saw the signs in our employees and a few of them, uh, you know, when one is crying from her car in the parking lot because... She needed to help a homeless man who was a double amputee and a diabetic right. and um, wasn't sure she could help him. And so those were the hard things. We actually went to a course on compassion fatigue, and every uh, year or so we have a company meeting where we discuss that topic again right. and make sure, kind of brainstorm. But we realized we needed to provide a lot of support to each other, yeah. be a sounding board, and be able to call each other when we had those really sad How does cases. Uh, compassion fatigue manifest itself? What are, the, what are the symptoms? What do you look for? Um, it's similar to grief. You know, it's a similar signs of grief. So there can be sorrow. There can be a sense of helplessness, um, literal fatigue. It can impact you physically. We all at one point realized that, that we were impacted. Our health was impacted, mm -hmm. um, not being able to sleep. Similar uh, to depression as well right. are some of the signs. So we've had to learn to recognize those. And we have done a good job over the years, but it's taken a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bet. So you've been in business nine years, as we mentioned. Um, you'd be, you've been in the industry 29 years. You had 20 years of experience when you decided to start your own business. Um, what was it like starting out for you? Well, you know, it was, it was very exciting for us. We, uh, you know, I do work with my husband, and you mentioned that. I had to have a laugh about that because people ask us all the time, how do you do that? How do you work with your spouse? Right. I love him because he was surrounded once at a conference of people asking him that question, and he said, I like my wife. Aren't I supposed to like my <laughs> wife? And I said, perfect answer. Good answer. Good, Good answer. answer. But um, the, way, the reason it works for us is that we each have a different skill set. So we're not doing the same exact thing in our business roles, and uh, th that's what works for us. Gotcha. And so, so we know what we each do. We support each other in it, but we do, and we have separate offices too. <laughs> ah, that helps, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you, so you start out uh, like last week. We were talking about you know the experience, all the excitement leading up to you're starting your own business, mm -hmm. and all the all the momentum is moving mm -hmm. forward, and then you turn the lights on day one, and it's kind of crickets. Um, did you have that experience, or did you already kind of have things rolling when you started? You know, we, we were fortunate. We did have things rolling. We had worked for another large company doing what we do. 
and we had a two-year non-compete, and we signed it in good faith. We felt it was an integrity issue for us to honor that non-compete. Right. And uh, we learned a lot from that company. So we honored our non-compete but and worked. Um, we ran an assisted living community together for those okay. two years. And so that gave us time to plot and plan. And so by the time we had uh, given our notice and left our job, we already had uh, contracts in place with properties and we'd worked in the industry so long, we kept those relationships. So we made money the first month moving right. in. Wow. I know that's not typical. That is not typical, yeah. no. Well, congratulations to you for that. That's fantastic. Um, so you start out, you, you know the industry. Did you immediately know how to run a business? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? You can't see the look on my face, right, but <laughs> right, right. that's Brian laughing at me yeah. because, yeah. Yeah, no. You know, I had... Um, uh, my husband, Jerry, and I had both been in management positions. At one point, he was the national recruiting director for GE Capital's long-term care insurance division. And I had run assisted living communities. And so you think you have that business knowledge. It's just not the same. Uh, it's not the same as having the support and resources of working for a large corporation. And so that was the new part. And we learned some things the hard way. Right, right. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely get to that. So looking back over nine years, what are some things you can look back on and say, uh, this was just an absolute success for me? You know, I think um, we learned, our, our business model, the thing that we love the most about what we do is that all of our referrals, we, we've done trial and error. We've spent a lot of money in the early years on advertising, different types of advertising, thousands and thousands of dollars. And every year we try something new for about the first four years and really, um, the best model for our business is relationship development. And it's the joy and fun in it, too, is building trust relationships with people right. um, who work in our industry, people who can refer to us, case managers, attorneys, right. financial planners, those type of um, referral sources. And that, I think, is we're most proud of because sure. we wouldn't still be here after nine years if we hadn't built um, some great relationships with people who trust us. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, you know I talk about this a lot uh, every every week. But as we're you know catapulting faster and faster in the world of technology, it still is all about relationships. It, it, it always comes back to that. Yeah, and I'm glad it is. Yeah, because that's the joy in the work for us. Right. right Whether right. it's with a family that's grieving or um, or a referral source. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, I look I look back on our history, and and I'm I'm not a super outgoing kind of person. I don't I don't leave my house looking to make ten friends a day and things like that. Um, but over the course of our existence, uh, I've created some absolutely phenomenal relationships, and really in ways that have changed my life. I mean, we I have people who uh, started out as just business acquaintances who have become some of my best friends in life, and and I can't imagine it going any other way. It's it's really it's, it really is the blessing um, outside of creating the lifestyle you want and the financial security that you hope to, to gain, uh, getting all the relationships is certainly a nice side benefit of, of, of running your own business, I yeah. would say. Yeah, it sure is. So outside of relationships, what, what other kind of things can you look back on and, and be really happy that, that you've been able to endure? And what, what are some success, successes you would look at and, and think you know they changed the course of your business or whatever? Yeah, well, I can think of a couple different things. One of them is when we first started, you know, there's going to be obstacles that you cannot anticipate. Right. And you have to be able to, to step back and take a look at those and persevere if you really, really want a business. You have to be willing to persevere. 
And we were about six months into, you know, sacrificing, uh, waiting our two years out and non-compete. Didn't mention we actually lived out of town in an assisted living community. Yeah, you lived in Vancouver, right? We did. And so we lived in a building and um, there was a lot of sacrifice involved in that. And uh, six months in, a bill appeared in Olympia targeting our industry and it would have just killed because we're relatively new industry. So they right. didn't really understand what we did. And uh, that was a huge obstacle. It was scary. Um, but I spent about three months down in Olympia learning how to lobby, mm -hmm. <laughs> meeting with um, different legislators and doing some public testimony and writing some amendments and co-wrote uh, with another person some amendments to the bill that we finally got in that right. made it acceptable yeah. Uh, to our business and so I you know that was a big cheer like whew you know and um yeah kind of scary too right yeah. right right yeah yeah um um similarly I've I've gotten involved in things in our industry in a legislative way our industry is kind of the opposite our industry hasn't been um kept up to date in Olympia um they literally haven't rewritten the law in any significant way since 1973 uh -huh. that, that that governs our industry and so I've written amendments. I haven't had anything passed yet, but uh, uh, I've helped write amendments with a team of other folks, and and uh, things are looking really good for, for next year as far as we've kind of gotten all the obstacles out of the way, it seems like, and it should be a pretty s much smoother path next year. But um, it's interesting to get down there and get involved and see what really, really goes on. And um, I'll tell you, uh, for people listening who don't care about politics, I don't, I, we certainly won't get into a political conversation here. But something that does matter for every person in the state and the country, whether you're looking to change legislation or not, what I find the most uh, interesting and terrifying thing about it is it's not what people think in that the dollar is not the currency anymore. Time is the currency. And if you don't have that, if you're not willing to put aside the time, you're not getting anything done. You could write the biggest check in the world. You write a $100,000 check for a candidate. Uh, it doesn't matter anymore. That's not the currency. The currency is time and the people who will help people get elected, people who go door knocking with a candidate. That is the real currency now, not not writing a check. And so um, as yes. we look back and wonder why things are, are hurling forward the way they are in, in certain directions, uh, it's because those people who want that to happen are, are willing to, to take their weekends and do that. And uh, business owners, by and large, don't have the time or desire to do that. And, and uh, that's why legislation happened that that affects them whether they like it or not, you know. Right, right, by um, people who don't understand your industry. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so you endured that. You got some legislation change. Good for yes. you. And uh, um, I'm sure that was a, a, a interesting time in your life for sure. Um, what else? What other kind of stuff have you have, have been through that you would call a success? Well, you know, we had a goal when we started our business. Um, we were discussing this earlier, Brian, before we started uh, – really influenced by a book by an author called Bob Berg, mm -hmm. and he's written a series of books called Go-Givers, and he has a book called Go-Givers Sell More. Right. And it's really about uh, helping other people achieve their goals, and there's, you know, joy in that, but it, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a value to you, too, in doing that. And so we had a goal. We loved what we did when we worked for a large company before. We just didn't like working for a corporation that was right. in flux a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, had a few disagreements in how we wanted to do things, and we wanted to have that control ourselves. So we, But we loved it more than anything we'd ever done. And we, th we really wanted to share that. We wanted to share that with employees. We wanted to bring other people in who said, wow, I'm doing something that has such purpose and gives me such joy. 
and I also can make good some good money doing it as well. You know, I can create my life because right. our people are their employees, but they're commissioned much like a realtor. Okay. So they get to develop their own business too and their own relationships. And um, for for those of our employees that are moms, you know, they've had a lot of freedom in being able to attend their children's school things right. and plan their own schedules. And that was something we really wanted to do. And then we wanted them to be successful financially as well. Right. And and we've achieved that. We've got um, some employees that have been with us since the beginning. The uh, most recent employee's been with us for over four years now. Wow. So we have a nice stable team. Sure. And, um, you know, that was a lot of work and a lot of learning. Yeah. Um, but it was one of our goals, and I feel real good about that. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's a fantastic uh, uh, achievement to have somebody with you for nine years especially considering you're nine years old. They've been with you since the beginning, essentially. Yes. Um, for somebody to, to be with you through all the change that goes along with starting a new business, that's remarkable. And then the newest person to be there four years, that's that's, uh, that's quite a testament to the organization you run. I mean, uh, probably folks don't, don't go out of their way to tell you that, but that's amazing. And you should really, you. Really, really, really be proud of that. That's fantastic that you have that kind of retention. That, that speaks uh, volumes about the kind of organization you run. And, uh, um, you know, we talked about, you, you just mentioned um, creating a world where your employees can be financially stable and secure. Um, we talked a little bit before we started today about how we have to be really careful about talking about dollars and money and things like that. Because, like, in our industry, for example, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you start out, um, friends and peers kind of have a go-stick-it-to-the-man attitude when they, when, when, at least in my experience, um, People had a kind of yeah, go get them. You know, you can, you can do it as well as they can, and blah blah. blah and you're going to be successful, and you're going to be great. And um, then there comes a time where you have had success financially, and and, and creating a business that it's going, to, it's clear, it's going to sustain itself. And all of a sudden, you become the man, and now it's a little different. And <laughs> and now people are, aren't quite cheering for you. You can't reach out and share successes. Um, certainly, the end to do with dollars. At least in my experience, I I can't reach out and. and Hey, we had this milestone month, whether it be revenue or profitability or, or you know, a great year or something like that. It's really unfortunate that we were kind of not able to do that anymore. You know, when you first start out, you maybe could do that because, you know, the number is really small and, <laughs> and people still feel good about themselves when you share that. But uh, as you grow, you, yeah, it's, 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 it's unfortunate business owners don't have the ability to, to, to celebrate, you know. But. Yeah. And, and when we discussed this earlier, you mentioned, Brian, I think it's so important that we have some peers, some, uh, we are so delighted, Jerry and I are, when we get to go out to dinner with other, another couple that's in business or mm-hmm. some folks that are business owners and really get it and understand it and that we can trust. Right. And so to have a handful of those trusted friends that also understand what it's like and you can share those successes. Right. It's really important. Yeah. So I, I think I told you, yeah, um, I, I think I, if I were to count them out, I think I have four. Now I have three partners also, so we can of course celebrate amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. But outside of our organization, I think there's four people that I can I can just you know we have a, a kick-ass month, and I just want to shout it to the world. I can't shout it to the world, um, so I, there's like four people I can reach out to and just say, hey, I just need a minute just to celebrate this. And then they call me when they have their successes, and it's fantastic. And we trust that we're not going to blab it out to the world. And and uh, um, it, it's interesting how uh, the outside world puts a cap on what you're supposed to make. Uh, and and a plumber is only supposed to make X amount of dollars. If you make over that amount, well, now you're just ripping people off or something's right. not quite right. 
and uh, um, you know every industry kind of has that. So I would recommend for people who are in in business and running business, find those handful of people you can celebrate with that you can trust to. to and and it, it you know when if I'm having a down month and that somebody calls me and says they're having a great month, it's exciting to hear that. It kind of motivates me again. And and likewise, when I can share with somebody and and help motivate them, I mean. You, you you have to have that, you know. People yes. have to be able to celebrate, and and uh, even though you can't shout it to the world like you can your kid's tenth birthday party, <laughs> uh, it's still it's still it's good for the soul, I think. Yeah, you know, get that stuff out there. So, um, you've created a lifestyle. You get to work kind of remotely now. You, yes. you just bought some property in Arizona, which sounds like it might be kind of a retirement destination for you, but you're able to fully function uh, remotely, which has got to be absolutely fantastic. So yes. good for you on that. Yes. What's it like when you leave? I mean, so I don't understand. Um, help me understand. You're, 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 you don't have an office necessarily, right? Right. Everybody uh, kind of works from home. Everybody works from a home office. Yeah, we don't need a storefront. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so it's not like you have to leave the brick and mortar place and go to wherever. You're kind of always open, and you're kind of yes. always the business follows you. So, yes. So you don't have to have that angst of leaving behind somebody running the show while you're four states away or something like that you're kind of always in control of that then we are but you know we do at this point have some trusted employees so that if you really want to turn your phones over to somebody else they cover for each other right do those kind of things in our roles uh jerry absolutely loves the family consulting piece and working with the families and he's always done that and always wants to do that um so i have done more of the uh, executive management and the marketing of our business so a lot of that marketing is done in person. Uh, right. He says I'm playing all day. Yeah. You know, going to the chamber. Yeah. And going, you know, there's always appetizers and good things yep. to drink. But um, but it's and I love I love that. But it's also educating people about right. what we do and that we're here and um, and we do a lot of that. I do a lot of that through speaking engagements too. So we can't be too gone too long right right <laughs> but we do have a great team that we can rely on yeah and uh, it's yeah. funny it's funny you mentioned the the chamber events and and the marketing um i remember okay so our company plumbing more or less plumbers across the united states and probably across the world the model is you spend x amount of money on advertising and you can expect you know or marketing and you can expect to get you know roughly nine times that in return you know that's that's kind of what the model is our model has turned out to be we go to places like the chamber and other other networking mm-hmm. groups and things like that and we and we network and uh, so we don't spend money on marketing like most companies do and we didn't understand it we started doing it we just kind of st- we were desperate for anything quite frankly our marketing plan wasn't working and so um, we kind of found ourselves in this networking world and once i began to understand because i was a person going that this thing would work these these meetings had value and I started making commitments to go every week and every month and every third Thursday and every second Tuesday and all that kind of stuff. Um, it did begin to create kind of a rift in our in our partnership because mm-hmm. uh, my I had two partners at the time. They were the guys out in the field working, mm-hmm. and I was just out having lunch. You know, it's kind of <laughs> how the perception was. And I was like, well, I'm not just out having lunch. First of all, I would much rather be doing something else. I'm not a, a, a as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a, a super outgoing people kind of person. Uh, I would much rather be dealing re- dealing with accounting stuff than out meeting people. Um, but their perception was I was just out, you know, having uh, having a free lunch while they were out digging a hole or working in a crawl space or something <laughs> like that. And and um, it was challenging for us to kind of work through that, you know, to get to get an understanding. This this creates value, and and it is the seven touches, and you have to educate people what you do, and they do have to know that you're trustworthy, and you have to show up to show that you're trustworthy, and all that kind of stuff. And yes, it's. Um, 
interesting how that dynamic kind of works itself out. It does, and people and folks that don't do that part of it don't understand that it can be really exhausting. I oh, make yeah. a joke sometimes coming home at the end of the day and feeling like I have a smile frozen on my face. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I would I would, uh, I would when they would ask me, you know, and say, well, well, you're just over there having lunch and and, and you know hobnobbing around with folks. I said, you, you know, exhausting it is to be on for two hours straight. Um, that that's not a that's not an easy task. It's it's I mean you you can't. You have to laugh at their stupid jokes, and you have to <laughs> at, look at their kid's picture on the phone and say how it's the cutest kid you ever saw when it's not. And I mean, <laughs> you know, it's exhausting, right, to, yes. to, to, to carry on that way. But, you know, you know like I said, it, it leads to those relationships we talked about earlier. But um, it, I, 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 I wish that there was a way to, to switch the roles sometimes so we could all experience what, what we all do, and, yes. and uh, that would certainly make things easier. But um anyhow uh so you awarded the the better business bureau torch award in 2015 um in the small business category in western washington the award is given for creating integrity in the workplace and market trust um and a commitment to integrity has been key talk about that yeah that's a really big deal to us when we um received that award i think our whole team shed tears because every i think every business has its opportunities to take shortcuts and uh, not work in integrity with the right intentions. And I would say, um, well, maybe I can't say, uh, working with seniors presents its own issues. We, um, you know, we often come across elder abuse type situations, right. exploitation, so we see the ugliness sometimes, um, which is what led to our original legislation because Washington was the first state in the country to pass some legislation regulating our industry, and it needed to happen yeah. because of some of the things, types of things that we saw. But um, having that commitment and to always choosing to do the right thing for the right reasons um, is harder sometimes than you think, especially when it comes to money, right. you know? And so we've worked really hard to instill that in our team from the very beginning, from the time they're orienting, they oriented with us, including by example, you know, um, giving money back when right. we needed to give money back. And in our industry, um, you don't necessarily have to do that. But uh, just to give you an example, you know, somebody moves into a small residential care home and they're very sick and we get we receive a referral fee mm -hmm. from the properties and that person passes away in two weeks well it's not common uh, for companies like ours to give it back but my team is so um ingrained and it's they're so focused on doing the right things for the right reasons that they j have every single time never disappointed me mm -hmm. and i let it be their choice but every single time they've come back and said that was a lot of work for that small residential care home I want to I want to refund um, their fee. Yeah, and the word spreads sure. when you do the right things for the right yeah. reasons. So I, I'm really proud of them that they right. choose the right things. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, um, we have a saying that's plastered all over our building: uh, "Do the right thing." And uh, when you when we kind of boil it down, that is our goal in every transaction, in every encounter, um, is just do the right thing. And I couldn't explain exactly what that means. I couldn't really define that, but I know it when I see it. And and um, we talk about how that you know in in your example, if you just keep the fee, nobody's going to complain. Nobody's going to be too shook up about it. Um, but when you give it back, you're making a major statement there that is going to stick with that person. They are going to tell the world essentially in their own way. They're going to find a way to let that word because they're they're maybe shocked that it happened. And so let's say you give back. Let's say it's 
five thousand dollars. I don't know what the number is. Let's say it's five thousand um, dollars. I would I would argue that you would get at least ten times that in return for just doing the right thing because it it's it's becoming more and more rare. And in cases where you don't have to, to volunteer to do that is is um, a huge benefit. And I think that's one of the things that we we lose nowadays in our focus on every transaction needs to be profitable and, and having processes and procedures and everything's proceduralized to make sure you aren't getting screwed by somebody lying and all that kind of stuff. Um, we lose sight of our ability just to go out of our way to do the right thing and make a, a strong statement about that. And it's really good to hear that you're, you're doing that. And I'm sure that's part of the reason you've been so successful for nine <laughs> years. Thanks, Brian. And, and, you know, that is true. I was thinking as you were sharing that with me, uh, it actually is what built our business because it's a lot of work to obtain those contracts. You know, at this stage of the game, we're contracted um, with every assisted living community, with the exception of one in Pierce County, but uh, assisted living retirement communities and literally several thousand of the residential care homes and home care companies. And that's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But um, you want to be able to give families the options that make the most sense for them and not have a limitation on that. And so... Um, it, those kind of things actually built our business because we started, uh, instead of having to per, uh, pursue, for instance, the residential care homes, we started receiving calls from them. And the first time I had a call from somebody that said, I heard you were honest and fair, Right. I was a little sob yeah, in my throat. Right. I'm like, what? That's so nice to say. That's so awesome. But it, um, you know, they started coming to us then, um, the properties, and, and it helped build our business. It's just been great. Right. I remember uh, we were probably two years old and we had a, a customer call with a, a complaint and our guy had just really screwed up. And it was like an $800 job. And, and uh, the customer, when they you know called after they got done chewing me out, let me know what they were upset about. They said, I said, OK, well, what can we do to make this right? And he said, I want I want you to refund $400 of this job and whatever. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to refund the whole thing. Uh, beca not because you're asking me to, but because it's the right thing to do. And, mm -hmm. and and he was actually speechless. He went from being absolutely furious to uh, speechless. And then a couple of days later, he called me to say, I just want to let you know I've told like 10 people about that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's but it's easy in the moment to get hung up on. Oh, my gosh, this job, I can't. You know, it cost me three hundred dollars to do it. And not only am I giving back four hundred dollars, you know, I'm going to get back eight hundred dollars. Right. It you know it it's easy to get hung up in the in the dollars and cents and lose sight of the big picture on some of that yes. stuff. So, so you've had a, a very successful run in nine years. I imagine you've had some things that haven't gone so well. What what are some of the things you look back on and and uh, <laughs> you would call learning lessons? How much time do I have? We had about thirty <laughs> minutes. You know, called after they got done chewing me out, let me know what they were upset about. They said, "I said, okay, well, what can we do to make this right?" And he said, "I want I want you to refund four hundred dollars of this job and whatever." And I said, "Well." I'm not going to do that. I'm going to refund the whole thing, uh, beca not because you're asking me to, but because it's the right thing to do. And mm -hmm. and and he was actually speechless. He went from being absolutely furious to uh, speechless. And then a couple of days later, he called me to say, "I just want to let you know I've told like ten people about that." Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's but it's easy in the moment to get hung up on. Oh my gosh, this job I can't. You know, it cost me three hundred dollars to do it, and not only am I giving back four hundred dollars, you know, I'm going to give back eight hundred dollars. Right? It you know it it's easy to get hung up in the in the dollars and cents and lose sight of the big picture on some of that yes. stuff. So, so you've had a, a very successful run in nine years. I imagine you've had some things that haven't gone so well. What what are some of the things you look back on and and uh, 
<laughs> you would call learning lessons. How much time do I have? We had about 30 minutes. <laughs> Good. Well, you know what I would say to anybody starting a business is, um, you know, we always hear that small business owners have a hard time delegating. Right. And releasing control. Mm -hmm. And so we start a business because we have expertise in one certain area. And yet... Um, that doesn't automatically give us expertise in all the other areas right. that you need to run right. a business. And so there were a number of things I, in my uh, wisdom, I guess I could even say maybe ego because I have a paralegal degree. Yeah. Um, my first year in college, I majored in accounting. All of those kind of things kind of came together. But um, I took far too long. We took far too long to hire professionals. We, right. we were actually proud of starting a business without going into debt, without borrowing money. Mm -hmm. um, we'd saved, we started, we made money every month, but there were a lot of considerations that we didn't have because we hadn't sought counsel and right. guidance. So one of the first things I would say to people is make sure you have an attorney. Yeah. Make sure you have um, somebody that's, you know, reviewing your contracts and giving you legal advice and, uh, Make sure you have an accountant that sets mm -hmm. your books up from the start because to have to go back yeah. and have somebody work on them and kind of recreate because you created them, um, I'm telling on myself, but, yeah. you know, right. is, is really important. Yeah, so the somebody who screws up is generally the person that started the business. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, call in the experts. Um, I have to laugh because I... Uh, I even created our own logo. I mean, we did it all on a shoestring, and which isn't necessarily a good thing. But uh, we had this thing we didn't want to be in debt, yeah. and and um, which is admirable in our world. But when you're in a business, uh, in a business, and you're starting a business, uh, you need to know what you're going to do when cash flow. When you right. you know you can have a couple hundred thousand dollars of receivables sitting out there. But, it, you know, if you need to make payroll, you need to know what you're going to do for yeah. cash flow. All of those kind of things. So call in the experts at the beginning. Don't right. wait like I did. Right. Um, it's, it's funny. Your, your story and ours are, they, they run a pretty similar parallel. We've been in business, you know, a little over eight years. Um, we didn't hire an accountant. I thought I could do it. We didn't hire an attorney. We used LegalZoom. Um, I created our first logo. It was a disaster. Um, we we uh, our, we picked our own first colors. We were going to be orange and black because we wanted to really stand out and <laughs> didn't understand that you don't pick orange and black for obvious reasons now. Uh, our business cards were orange with black writing, and the, our goofy logo that I created was just hit. So I, I tell folks now, you got to have three things. you got to have an attorney, a CPA, and a banker. And even if you're not going to borrow money, um, you, you need a plan. You yes. Know, what is the plan? What's what's you know? Uh, when do you need a line of credit? Well, I don't need a line of credit. I'm not going to borrow any money. Understood. Okay. None of us want to borrow money. None of us want to go into debt to do this. But at some point, you may need a line of credit. And I'm not saying you do or don't. I'm saying get a professional to tell you. Right. Um. Get a get a professional accountant to to go through stuff. We we had uh, we hired a bookkeeper when we after it got to the point where we had where we went, once we had employees we hired a bookkeeper because we didn't think we could afford an accountant. And I couldn't. I didn't have the time or desire to learn how to do payroll. And um, the bookkeeper switched up from, from a cash basis to an accrual basis and back and forth like six quarters in a row. Oh, no. And it was just, <laughs> it was just an absolute <laughs> nightmare. And so by the time I hired our, or found our accountant and hired her, um, we had – it was the most me – biggest mess. I mean, just trying to sort it out. And I didn't really understand what's the big deal. You know, and, and, of course, now after you know many years later, I, I, I get it. But um, that decision probably cost us – you know, twenty thousand dollars. 
yes. easily. Yes. Um, and, and that's just one example of a number of things that were just, you know, wonky with the whole thing that, um, you know, we probably saved ourselves five and cost us, you know, 20. <laughs> oh, I so understand that. And, you know, there's the time factor, too. Right. That's what's really entered in for us is the amount of time that you spend doing those things because it isn't your expertise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Googling, trying to self-teach yourself to yeah. do some of those things. And the old saying, you know, time is money. We always say to our team, pay attention to your boyfriend, Tim. You know, time is money. Yeah. And um, it's so true when you start calculating, you know, if I spend this many hours working on accounting issues versus marketing, what right. difference is that going to make mm-hmm. for our business? And right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll <laughs> save myself the uh, the $1,000 uh to, to do the, the the accounting, which I'm going to do wrong, you know, 37 percent of the time, and then uh, I'm not going to spend that time out out growing our business. That you know, yeah, terrible decisions, right? We we, we, we all do it. I mean, I don't know very many people who start out the way we did that didn't do the exact same thing. And so, same thing for an attorney. Um, yes. you, you're paralegal, so you've got this figured out, and it's okay to say you had a big ego. If you didn't have a big ego, you might not start your own business. That's okay, <laughs> right? Um, you think you got it figured out, you can do it, and then you find out, oh my goodness. <laughs> Right. I don't have it figured right. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first time one of your contracts goes sideways. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, and just, I mean, the HR world and, and what a rapidly changing thing that is. And you can make really poor decisions if you're not mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. What are the kind of things you learned over, over your tenure? You know, um, we the goal is almost always when you talk to somebody about starting a business, and it's an assumed goal, um, even if it's not your goal as the business owner, is that you're going to grow. Right. You're going to grow, you're going to grow, you're going to grow. And so one, I would say one of the biggest mistakes we made early on, and fortunately we were smart enough to keep it separate, we, um, we had a business partner join us. Mm-hmm. And we kept our existing business, our existing local business separate, and that was wisdom, and I'm very grateful we did that. So we actually had two business entities and um, separate entities, but operating with the same website and so forth. And right. and we went into fourteen other states. Oh wow! And we had forty employees in fourteen other states. Oh, geez. How, right. how far in were you at this point? How, how long? We were about two years in Oof, to okay. our business, and um, it's kind of a long story. We had a short-term goal with him. He had an expertise in franchising. And was providing some guidance, but the plan was supposed to be an 18 to two year plan. And the more we got into it, the more um, he developed some different goals than we had originally. So he wanted to grow real big, real fast. Um, he was looking. He was. We were already having private equity investors contact us with an interest, and he'd been watching some of the large companies that had been sold for you know, $50 million, right. but they also had a strong internet presence and sure. so forth. So uh, the big mistake we made is we had our partnership agreement tied up legally and so forth, but we realized that we did not have our um, business plan tied up that right. securely. We thought we all understood and we're on the same path, but when he changed gears, um, you know, there was strife mm-hmm. and disagreement with us. And uh, the good part that came out of it is that Jerry and I really learned what we wanted and that and we were crystal clear we didn't want to build an empire. Right. We were building a lifestyle. Um, you know, we didn't want that big corporate world. That's what we had gotten away from. Sure. And uh, so we learned a lot from that experience and, um, you know, we're able to, fortunately, because we kept things separate, we we're able to uh, get out of that partnership, but it wasn't without a lot of pain, mm-hmm. a lot of cost. 
And uh, so I would say to anyone that's considering taking a partner, really make sure you have legal advice, you have everything up tight, and that you are crystal clear on what your business plan, your marketing action plan is, and that it, you're aligned. Right. And when you yeah. say crystal clear, you mean crystal clear in writing. In writing. <laughs> yeah, we thought we were crystal clear, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, he yeah, changed yeah. some directions along the way. And when we realized he, that we were going from an 18 months to two year plan to him wanting a 10 to 15 year plan. Right. Um, that wasn't where we wanted to go. Sure. So it was painful. Sure. Yeah. And so not only do you have all the angst and frustration of, of having different goals and moving in different directions, at some point you realize now you got to get out of this thing. Yeah. And what a nightmare that must have been. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of tears at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not only lamenting the relationship, but holy crap, what's it going to do to our business? What's right. our business going to look like when this is over with? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't. But we yeah. survived it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're, and you're that much smarter now moving forward. Yeah. Um, so this is something we haven't talked about uh, previously. So if you don't want to talk about that, it's okay. okay. Um, do you have a succession plan? Do you have, do you have kind of, even if you don't have like, like one in writing, do you have kind of a long term I mean, what's, you don't want to work till you're 105, I don't imagine, at some point. What, have you talked about that at all? Do you yeah, have we, we definitely have. We definitely have. And, you know, we have, um, we have employees that are also family members oh, as okay. well. And so they're involved in that plan gotcha. as well. Okay. But perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you love what you do and it's your passion, sure. um, we don't have any plans in the near near term yeah. to retire, but we definitely have a plan and a goal. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when we first started out, our, our plan was to be in four states. Um, mm -hmm. and, our, and our plans have changed significantly, but we, we were going to be in four states. We we're going to grow as fast as we could, sell it for $50 million, like you said, <laughs> and re re buy an island somewhere and retire and live happily ever after. Um, having gone through what we have, um, that is no longer our goal. Um, you know, now the thought of opening even a second location, just one second location, um, sounds like a, just a giant pain in my ass. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Um, and, and, uh, uh, so then we kind of shifted gears like, okay, well I could, you know, what I do now, I, I oversee the accounting and I still do the networking and, and the marketing part and all that kind of stuff. Um, I could do that till I'm 70, you know, mm -hmm. I only work four days a week now. Um, that's been that way for a few years. Um, I don't have a, a desire to be retired at 55 anymore like I once did. Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure it'd be healthy for me to do that. I, I, you know, I, I remember, um, when I was a teamster, my first job, real job out of high school, I had to go through a teamster class and they said the average age for retirement after retirement for a teamster was 17 months, um, because people just retire and they don't have a purpose anymore and they just die. Right. And, uh, and that's really stuck with me. And so now it's like, okay, well I could do what I'm doing for a long time. So our plans have changed and then you kind of look at, okay, well, if we're not going to sell this thing, what are we going to do? And so uh, we talked to our attorney and talked to another attorney and kind of got some advice. And they said, well, it's a seven to 10 year process. You can't just flip a switch and, and hand the keys to somebody. It doesn't work that way. You have to, if you're going to hand it to somebody, you've got to do it very gradually over time to make sure that you train them in what your goals are. And you, you know, you continue, continue to have it run your way until it's time for you to not have it. And yet then you have to have the ability to step back and let them run it. <laughs> that sounds scary as hell. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's that delegating, releasing control right. thing that we have a hard time with. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, we started out, we, we kind of kicked ours off. Uh, we brought on a partner who's an employee and, and, uh, she's somebody we obviously trust implicitly and things like that. And so, um, just, you know, when you had, yeah. I hadn't talked about that, I was just kind of curious when you talk about, uh, all the legal stuff that goes along with it, what, what uh, your thoughts were on that. Um, so we talked about marketing. 
um, your marketing is kind of like what we do where we're out networking and things like that. Have you tried other marketing ventures that... Uh, we have. We've learned a lot about that. We thought we knew a lot about that before we started, and we did. Um, I had done that kind of work, and I'd been in marketing management in the long-term care industry for a long time. But, um, you know, we did a lot of trial and error in the early days. We, um, every once in a while, would be persuaded to try some type of advertising. We spent, you know, thousands of dollars on uh, placing an ad in a book or in the newspaper and what you really have to understand, any business an owner, is who is your target market? Mm -hmm. Who is your client? Uh, for our industry, people mistakenly think our target market and our client are elderly people. Right. And they're not. They're, they're not. the adult children of the yeah. elderly people. Right. Most likely a woman. Right. Most likely a woman in her, you know, 40s or 40s 50s, or yep. 50s yep. who's the decision maker, you know, for her parents. And... Um, and so we, we kind of struggled with that on how do you get the word out because we have people every day almost say to us on the phone, um, sometimes they'll cry and they'll, they'll, they're so relieved to get some help and they'll say, why didn't I know about you six right. months ago? So part of us is like, how do we get the word out to people that we're here, that there is an industry like this now? Yeah, you know, it's right. a fairly new still. And so we tried those things, but, you know, unless people are in crisis, we learn pretty quickly, they don't even notice those ads right. in a newspaper or, you know, book, it, written ads. Um, we even did radio ads, too. Sure. And so, we, you know, we had to switch that up and uh, really figure out, uh, I always say for our business and really for anybody to be effective is... Uh, who are your referral sources? Who are going to be the people that are going to refer to you multiple times? So that's why I say, you know, for us, those referral sources are the discharge planners in a nursing home, uh, right. rehab centers, you know, um, where somebody's recovering from a stroke and they're there for three weeks, but they got to sure. have a plan and, and elder law attorneys mm -hmm. and um, those type of people are referral sources versus individual referrals. So it's a supplemental thing that we develop those relationships in the chamber and some of those networking right. types of things. But the low-hanging fruit, as we say, where you're, you're going to get that is building those relationships, those trust relationships with people that can make multiple referrals to you. Right. And, and the challenge that you have, which is something that many folks have, is how do you get the attention of your target audience who doesn't even know they have a need for you. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And, and if, okay, so if somebody does have, know that they have a need for you, it takes seven touches to get their attention, to get them to remember you and things like that. I don't even know if they quantify how many touches it takes to get somebody's attention if they don't even know that they have a need for the service you offer. Yeah. I, that's got to be a tremendously uh, uh, baffling undertaking, I would imagine. Yeah, it's really, over the years, we really learned that we needed to focus on those that, that were crisis-driven, those that were already in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, you know, years ago, when I first got in this industry, you know, 29 years ago, people were planning for retirement, and, and the re lovely retirement communities were starting to be built, and they were planning to sell their home and move. And um, that's really changed, especially when the housing market crashed. Mm -hmm. Uh, people weren't selling their homes at that time. That's usually their uh, greatest asset to help pay for care. And they weren't just making that decision to sell their home at a loss and move right. into a lovely retirement community. And so um, the whole industry overall has kind of changed on how you market. It's not um, so much let's plan to retire. It's more for our business um, in particular. It's more crisis-driven. Right. Yeah. So let me – and, and – 
I'm not even sure how to even phrase this question. So if you if you know your target audience, it's a woman in her 40s or 50s. Do you approach it and say, well, how do we get to be where places? How do we get to be places where a woman in her 40s and 50s hangs out, i.e., um, whatever social club kind of a thing, or do we go to something like the the employer? Like, let's say we had an employer like Boeing, yes. and Boeing says we want to offer all these services to our employees because we want to be a good employer and good retention and all that kind of stuff. Does it make sense to go to a large employer like that and say, hey, we're here. Let us come in and do a 10-minute presentation for your employees just to let them know we exist. Is that something that you've tried? or? Yeah. In fact, it's funny um, that you mentioned that because one of, other than marketing directly to the referral sources that I referenced, um, the other greatest way that we get referrals is from educational opportunities and speaking opportunities. Um, we were just talking about this, Jerry and I, yesterday morning. I Three years ago, I spoke at a Catholic women's group, and there were about 100 women that showed up mm-hmm. to just get educated overall on long-term care and planning right. and um, dementia, those right. types of things. And we're still getting calls from people that yeah. hung on to our stuff, sure. you know. Um, because that was an opportunity for them to be prepared. Right. We'd love to prepare people, so it's yeah. not just crisis driven. Right, that's you know? what I'm thinking. It's how, it's yeah. how, do you, how do you get some? How do you get you get in front of somebody five years before they have a crisis to plant the seed? So at least they know your industry exists. Um, you know, I'm just I'm wondering if you could do like uh, um, church church flyers that still go around. You know, like the Catholic Church community still has a monthly magazine that yes. they send out and things like that. Are those things successful for you at all? Or they are. We have success with developing relationships with parish nurses. Okay. You know, they have there's parish nurse programs. So, right. you know, all of those types of things. So, you know, as a as a owner, when you're looking at your marketing plan, you're doing a balance. Um, you know, I reference low hanging fruit. Sure. You need to go where you know you're going to get some business. Right. Which is the types of referral sources, but then you're also doing the stuff that's going to pay off in, like you said, five years, five years yeah. you know, three years, five years. So you have to have a balance of that, right. of those types of things. And um, so what's, what's the decision-making process for you? How do you decide how much time and money c- to commit to the right now versus how much time and money to spend to the five year return? You know, we're constantly reviewing our results. We're, con- I, I think that's the thing you can't just coast along and which is, is easy to do when you first start in a business and you're just like putting out fires right. and you're so crazy busy, but um, you have to slow down and evaluate your results right. on a pretty continual basis. And so we're, uh, you know, we have a great assist administrative assistant who puts together reports for us now. You mm-hmm. used to be me, but you know, we're looking every month at um, where our business came from, our conversion rates, um, you know, who those sources were. And uh, then we're doing, we're mapping out, we call it a map, a marketing action plan. Mm-hmm. And we're mapping that out for the coming quarter. Nice. And uh, so we look at that. Uh, Jerry and I look at it monthly. We look at it with our team quarterly, you know, semi-annually, and then annually. Right. So for our whole team. Sure. Yeah. So let me back up to something you said earlier. Um, you mentioned one of the things that you struggled with was growing too fast. And um, this is something, this is a term that is thrown out there all the time. Um, the number one thing that we heard when we started out was you can't grow too fast. You can't grow too fast. But nobody ever says what the heck that means. What <laughs> is growing too fast? Is it 25% a year? Is it 400% mm-hmm. a year? Is it doubling your employees year over year? When, if you were to, to sit down with a person who's starting out their business and they're, let's say, six months in, and they figured out the accounting, they figured, hired an accountant, they got a lawyer, all, they covered all the other basic stuff you would, talk, you, you would coach them up on. 
what would what, how would you phrase that to somebody when you when you when you say growing too fast? How would you quantify that to them in a way that would be meaningful for them? That's a good question. And if you don't have an answer, that's okay because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple things came to mind as you were saying that that I would say to somebody. First of all, you when I reference that, you have to be able to have the uh, resources and support systems in place and financial right. systems in place to manage that growth. Um, for us, when we hired 40 people in 14 states, they required a lot of coaching, yeah, a lot of training. Right. And, um, you know, we had a great team. Everybody stepped up, but we wore everybody out, including our admin people, right. you know, in supporting that many people. And so you have to have those resources in place and know how you're going to, you know, do that. It sounds like a no-brainer, but you think you can. Yeah. Um, it, most people who are entrepreneurs... Um, by the time they start a business and they're persevering, you know, you think you can do almost anything if you push through. Right, right. But there is a and, <laughs> and every coaching and every book you read says that you need to just push through and persevere and set right. goals and blah. Everything just tells you to go, go, go. Nothing ever tells you to sit back and reflect and measure and ch- and check your results. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So that you know, that's really the biggie right. as far as growing is making sure that you have those sources. The other part of growing, the other part of it is, you know, I'm talking about team and intra- infrastructure. But it's also, um, can you meet the needs of your customers? That's like the biggest no-brainer. Can right. you provide good customer service? Right. Are you prepared to meet? You know, if we were to ramp up, um, for instance, ramp up on the Internet uh, leads through the Internet, which mm-hmm. we've learned over time for us we don't do. Um, we're working smarter, not harder for right. us. And uh, But if we were to do that, do we have enough staff that would be prepared, you know, to take 200 calls? Right. In the next week and give good customer service. Right. You know. Yeah. So I, I was talking to somebody about two weeks ago and was talking about growth and how aggressive to be and things like that. And and I said, you know, I, I think what I would shoot for is a reasonable goal that I think you could pull off and, and do all the things we're talking about. You would have the financial resources to be able to pay the people you hire. You'd have the time to coach the people on how to do what you wanted to do your way and provide good service, things like that. I'd say I think you can shoot for a 30% increase every year, mm-hmm. 30% revenue year over year. Now, now, having said that, now I'm saying 30%, our second full year, we grew 400%. Oh, my goodness. Um, but we had to. We, we yes. couldn't do what we, we knew we were going to do and cover um, one city. We had to cover, you know, the Puget Sound area is, you know, I don't know, what is it, 70 miles north to south and 30, 40 miles east to west or 50 miles east to west, whatever it is. We knew we couldn't um, cover that territory with a small crew. We had to have a large crew. And the sooner we got over that hump, the better off it was going to be for everybody. So that year, we just had to just it took, take a leap of faith. We had to hire a bunch of people and, and train them the best we could and, and just hope to get it worked out. And then since then, we've done pretty consistently. We mm-hmm. grow 30 to 40% a mm-hmm. year. And sometimes that's super stressful. And sometimes it's like, hey, it's no big deal. You know, It just depends on, on kind of where we're at in the ebb and flow of, you know, supervisory number of supervisors we have and things like that um but i think it's hard to for you know whenever um we give advice whenever i give advice to somebody like don't grow too fast i like to kind of follow it up and say here's what i mean by that and i i don't know that we ever have a good answer for that it's it's hard yeah um because you have to grow aggressively you have to set your goals and go hit them and you know what the vision is to look like at the end um you know, I, it's funny. You can use Amazon as the extreme example. If they would have grown 30% a year, they'd still be selling books, right? Right. <laughs> it doesn't right. make sense. Yeah. So my logic doesn't make any sense for them at all. <laughs> um, 
anything else you'd look back on and in, in, in over nine years and say, you know, if I could give a new business person three pieces of advice, something we haven't already covered, what do you think you would say to them? Three pieces. Three? Oh, okay, my well, goodness. Just, just give me one really good one. Then. But it's got to be a really good one if you're only going to give me one. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think, Brian, I heard you give a presentation a couple years ago. And um, one of the things that impressed me was that you taught, you were very honest and open about the different things that you tried. Right. And sometimes it didn't work, whether it was an answering service or, yep. you know, whatever it was. But you tried it. You figured out it didn't work. And then you moved on. Right. And... I would say that we weren't so great in the early years at moving on quick enough. Okay. So in a lot of areas. And so, um, you know, if you're measuring things, as you said, and whether it's successful or not, if you're taking the time to do that and really analyze and take stock of what's working, what's not, it's a little easier to make that decision. But one of the things um, Jerry and I would go back and forth on in particular was with employees Mm -hmm. because we would put a lot of time and money in ourselves and we would share our leads and our business and we'd pay for them to go through 40 hours of mediation training and send them to conferences. So we really invested in them. And um, sometimes uh, uh, he has a saying, uh, you know, I can't want it more than they do. Right. Can't want it more than you do. Yeah. You know? And so there were sometimes we should have cut our losses sooner than we did. Yeah. And we didn't because we'd say, but we've invested all this. Right. And well, you know, all it means is that you're continuing to invest yeah, with right. no return on right. your investment. And um, not always the case, you know, when you HR principles, you know, you sure. want to work with people and, and encourage them and support them for a growth. But um, there is a time to cut your losses. And I think sometimes it, it typically in watching other business owners needs to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things with with uh, employees specifically. Um, it's it's hard because they are people. They have families. They have children. It might be a single mother. It might be a, f- a, a, a single father or somebody who's got a kid who's got physical or mental ailments or whatever. And it's really hard, and you you're pulling for them so hard. You want so badly for them to be able to figure it out. Yes. And it's really really hard to come to that conclusion that like like Jerry said, it's a great way. You know, you can't want it more than them. And and as much as you would like for them to, and probably as much as they would like to, they just aren't going to. Yes. And the sooner you can figure that out, the happier you're both going to be. It's got to be miserable for the employee too. It can't be like they're coming in and, and feeling like it's all sunshine and roses and you know things aren't going well and they can't figure that out. They've got to feel that stress also. Yeah. And it's hard on the rest of your team. Right. Who see it. Right. And know it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, goodness, it's been uh, 57 minutes already. I can't believe it's, it's just flown by. Thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. Uh, if you guys um, learned something here today and found that you might have a need to get a hold of Michelle, I would highly recommend it. Uh, her and Jerry are just phenomenal people, and uh, obviously they have a very uh, strong business with integrity as being the top priority. Uh, I would absolutely have no problem referring these folks to anybody I know. These are absolutely top-notch people, and I'm just I'm super proud to know them. You can reach Michelle at 888-217-1655 or at Graham and Graham. That's G-R-A-H-A-M, GrahamandGrahamEC.com. Again, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. I really appreciate it. You've been a real treat to have on today. Thank you, Brian. Thank, thank you so much pre- for your kind words. Appreciate you taking the time to come out and uh, and uh, see us. And uh, um, again, like I said earlier, if you like what you hear and you're interested in sponsoring this or if you have any questions or feedback to send me, you can reach me at brian at brianlharding.com. 
Next week, we're going to have on Carrie Anderson. She's going to talk about her multi-family uh, property management business. So for those of you who are interested in having a large business, um, please tune in next week. Carrie has a, a – I, I don't even know how to quantify how big of a business she has. It, she's, a, she's a big deal in the world of, of multi-family property management. So tune in next week if you want to hear that. Uh, she's going to have uh, no shortage of things to, to share with us, I'm sure. I, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, that's all for today. Thanks again, Michelle, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you all next week.